before we get going with today's podcast, I want to remind you about a great opportunity to learn football at Lawrence First and Goal Coaches Clinic. The clinic is to benefit pediatric brain tumor research as well as cancer services. And the lineup, as I mentioned, is an incredible one. 160 speakers, and right now you can get the ticket to that clinic, $49 for an individual, $150 for a staff of five, so $30 a coach there. But you need to act now. That expires once it hits 2021 here, midnight on Friday. Again, check it out at lfgf.coachesclinic.com. Welcome to Coaching Coordinator Podcast and another episode of The Leadership Journey with our guest host, Brian Kite. BK, uh, it's great to be talking to you again. You too, Keith. Another week on the journey. Excited to be here with you. Well, Brian, I have a quote that I want to tee this up with from Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi said, coaches who can outline plays are a dime a dozen. The ones who can win get inside their players and motivate. And I think one of those things to really being able to get inside your player to get to his heart revolves around the concept of trust, which is our topic today, trust. It's so important to what we're doing. Little things that we do, the small details make a difference in whether your player is going to be somebody who trusts you or if he sees you as somebody who maybe is faking it. And we want to obviously be sincere and get our players to trust us. And obviously it's a two-way street. We're counting on them in contributing to the organization's success and we have to trust them to do a job. So obviously it's a big component that affects us in what we do as coaches. Yeah, it is. The one, I agree with Coach Lombardi. And in the internet era, I don't know if Vince Lombardi ever actually said that. I don't know that he didn't. But I, have, you ever, have you ever seen that quote attributed to Lincoln that said 50% of all internet quotes were made up on the spot? <laughs> well, I have, I have a book. I have a book of, of – it's called Motivation Lombardi Style. And that quote is in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust the internet on that one. Okay, all right. I'll, 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 I'll go with you. So we'll, we'll trust that Vince Lombardi said it, and I agree with Coach Lombardi. He's absolutely right. Especially in today's world where football is more popular than ever before, and we'll come back to the, the challenges. We've talked about the challenges of football, but even with the challenges, football's never been more popular than it is today. With that means that there's a lot of people involved in the sport. The access to football education has never been better. The ability to share what it is that you're doing on offense and defense and special teams and program building has never been easier to share. We've never had more access to more information about how to coach the game of football than ever before. And with that, that makes, like everything else in our world, it a commodity. Being able to teach cover two is a commodity. Understand that. Being able to do taxes, it's a commodity. Cover two is a commodity. Accounting skills are a commodity. Technique on the offensive line is a commodity. Not that there's not differences. There's always differences between commodities, but a commodity means that you can't win just based on the commodity. And I, I mentioned accounting because we can see that whether how much difference is there between from bank to bank. In two, we're in 2017 right now. How, many, how, many, how much difference is there about what bank you use? 
there's not a significant difference between what bank you use or what accounting firm you use if you're the average American, because they're commodities. What makes them unique is the stuff they add on top of that, the experiences they deliver, the outcomes that they can produce for you, the value that they add on top of that commodity. But if you're just competing on commodity, you really don't have a great chance of winning, not in business and not in football. Here's what I think the real important question to ask as we move into trust is. Why do you need trust? Why does trust even matter? I'll start with you. I'll ask you, Keith. Why do you need trust as a coach? Why does it even matter to your coaching skill set? Trust for me is always about tied closely to motivation. We think of motivation is from a coaching perspective. It's that ability to get the player to do the things you want in the way you want them done. And obviously that's important that things have to be done a certain way. At the same time, um, that player has to understand the reasons for that and trust that you're telling him things that are going to help him be successful. If there's that lack of trust, he might give you the surface-level compliance but not truly be engaged in the process. And for anybody to be successful in football or in any sport, there has to be that engagement to get an elite level of performance. I think you hit it on the head. The reason you need trust as a coach is because the things you're asking players to do are hard. They're difficult. They're challenging. Look, we addressed point blank a couple episodes ago on the challenges to culture. Football has the risk of injury in it. It has the risk of serious injury. It's a lot of fun. You learn a ton, you build great teams. It's about bringing people from various backgrounds together to show them how to work hard together. But like all sports, it has an element of danger. And the higher you go in the sport, the more people have to put their bodies on the line to play this game. And it's exhausting. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of commitment and discipline and effort. You have to say no to a lot of distractions. So, you're really asking a lot from players who are on your team. Yes, it's a privilege to play the game, but you're also asking a lot. That requires a certain level of trust to get players and your staff members and your colleagues to do all of the things required to win. So the reason to build trust, the reason is trust is so important. You need to build deep trust so that you can push people incredibly hard and incredibly far. The deeper the trust you have, the harder you can push them, and the further they will go for you. Really what trust is about is about how far will people follow you. Look, there's a lot of things competing for the attention and the mindset of your athletes. Your athletes are getting messages from their colleagues, their family, their extended family, their community, their block, their street, their classroom, their schoolyard. They're getting messages from YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, ESPN. The question is, who do they trust? Who do they trust? If they trust you, they'll follow you. 
they'll do things they wouldn't do otherwise specifically because they trust you. If they don't trust you, you will push them, but they'll do that, that their shield will go up. They'll do that glazed over look you were talking about. Hey, you know, we, we, let's look away from football for a second, Keith. With your kids, do you want your kids operating out of a sense of compliance because you're the authority figure as dad? Or do you want your kids operating out of a sense of commitment because they trust you, what you're about, and that you understand them and you care about them, therefore following you is a really smart decision? Which way do you want them operating? I want them operating from a place of commitment rather than because dad said so. Because eventually my kids, and maybe they have already been faced with tough decisions that they have to make about what is the right thing to do in this situation. Decisions that can affect their lives in a big way as they grow up because there's all kinds of influences out there and we can't shield our kids from it, can't wrap them in bubble wrap and and think they're going to be safe. We have to trust that we've taught them and we have to create that sense of commitment to all those things we taught, that they're not just saying, yeah, okay, and then going out and being left on their own and being left in those situations where they've operated out of compliance and not commitment. That's well said and make me think of something really interesting because maybe you do this, maybe you don't, but I think if you're like every person who grew up with a parent has had this experience at some point, and then you become a parent and you got to decide whether you're going to do this. And I think everybody does at some point, but I'm a dad and dad is maybe the most important title a man can ever have. Have you ever gotten to the point where you've tried to explain something and your kids just don't listen and won't do what it is that you're asking them to do? Have you ever gotten to that spot? Uh, I think they push me to those spots occasionally, and it's always kind of a snap sure. snap back, and you walk away saying, you do it because I told you to do it, you know, and, and eventually, <laughs> I mean, right. what, what I've always been good about is that I might leave that situation a little bit frustrated, but I'm sure to revisit it. I never just leave it as do it because I told you to do it, that, I, that they understand my perspective right. of where I'm coming from. You said the exact phrase that I was leading to. I appreciate that because we, we didn't, we didn't pre-plan this. But you, you said the phrase that I, that I was leading to, and that is, do it because I said so. The unspoken thing there, sometimes we say it, do it because I'm the dad, because I said so. And that exists in coaching well. I'm the coach. I make the decision. A phrase that was said to me and teams I was on, players play, coaches coach. You're the player. I'm the coach. You do this, right? Here's the thing. And this comes with the statement that I made earlier and you agreed with, that I believe dad is the most important title I will ever have, more important than CEO, more important than head coach. However, here's the truth. Titles don't earn trust. Not even dad. Behavior earns trust. Experience is what earns trust, not your title. If the experience you deliver through your behavior doesn't match the trust you think your title earns you, you have a problem. 
It's not on other people to trust in your title. It's on you to deliver an experience worthy of trusting that is greater than your title. And that's as true as a dad, as it is as a teacher, as it is as a salesperson or a head coach or a CEO. That's what trust is about. Not a title, not a position, an experience, something that you create. And it's not other people's job to trust in that. It's on us to deliver an experience deserving to be trusted. And when you do that, what you'll find is that people crave relationships like that. People love being part of relationships like that. And that's ultimately what leadership is. It's a relationship. Trust is the foundation of it. And we don't do it. I'm going to reemphasize this. We don't build all of this trust so that everybody feels good all the time. You build the trust so that you can get people to move. You build the trust so that you can tell people the truth that hurts to hear. You build trust so that they come to you with difficult situations, problems to solve, questions to ask, things they can't ask anyone else, things they can't tell anyone else, things they're too embarrassed to put in front of anybody else, but because they trust you, they're willing to have that conversation with you. They're willing to hear that truth from you. They're willing to practice that skill that you pointed out to them. When you have trust, all of that is an option. When you don't have trust, none of that is an option. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's, that's something I think I've tried to incorporate in my coaching throughout, throughout my career is that it's important in building leaders. I think in the culture, we've been talking about what a coach needs to do with that player, but you hear coaches all the time talk about do your 111th. Well, do your 111th really is built on that concept of trust. I can't just do my 111th if I don't trust that guy next to me. I might go outside of what I'm supposed to do, try to, to make up for him, and then guess what? My job fails, his job fails. And it's, it has to be built in a, in a larger sense, not just in the relationship within the culture so that every relationship in that culture, every, every player-to-player relationship has that component of trust as well. Yeah, the, the, the physics uh, and timeless truth of this continues across every relationship, coach to player, coach to coach, player to player. And then like we've talked about in previous episodes, coach to parent, coach to media, coach to boosters, coach to community. That's why it's so important to get out there and build those relationships and generate that trust because when players don't trust each other, they can't push each other. They can't hear the truth from each other. They don't rely on each other, and they end up trying to do somebody else's job. They end up BCDing, blaming, complaining, and defending about somebody else. Uh, they end up getting selfish. When you don't trust your parents or your parents don't trust you, there are certain things that you can't get them to do, and they can't get you to see. When you trust each other, you can have really honest conversations, even to the point where you just agree that you don't see eye to eye on it, 
but because trust is there and you just say, hey, we see differently on this. We don't agree on this, but we still trust each other. That's a really powerful resource to have inside your program. The truth being put on the table, not agreeing or seeing eye to eye, but the ability to still go operate and run a program and win and have a great time, even if you don't see things similarly. So a couple things that are important on trust. Given that foundation, that the reason to build deep trust is so that you can push people really hard and really far, and understanding that titles don't earn trust, behavior does, experience does. If you want trust from someone else, you are on the hook for delivering an experience worthy of their trust. That's the requirement. And trust is three-dimensional. Here's where trust comes from. Trust comes from the unique combination of how people experience your character, your competence, and your connection. And I, and I, I said that specifically. Trust comes from how other people experience your character, your competence, and your connection. Trust isn't generated by the character you have, the competence you have, and the connection that you think you have with people, how much you, you care about people. Trust comes from whether other people have an experience of your character they trust in, whether other people have an experience of your competence they trust in, and whether other people have an experience of connection from you that they trust in. A lot of people, including coaches, make the mistake of thinking that the character they have and feel on the inside, other people need to just recognize that. Or the competence they have because they've been coaching the game for 15 years, other people need to recognize that. Well, newsflash, coaching for 15 years doesn't make you competent. And it doesn't earn trust. There's a lot of people who've been coaching the game for 15 years, and they're still just not very good. That's not a, that's just an observation. It's not a criticism. It's not unique to football. There's people who've been in plenty of professions who've been in it for 15 years. They have a lot of experience, but they haven't gotten much better over those 15 years. So there's just not a relationship between the years you've spent coaching and how good you actually are. And people watch that. People have learned. So if you want trust from people, you have to know how to deliver an experience of character deserving of trust, how to deliver an experience of being competent that's deserving of trust, and like we talked on last week's episode, how to deliver an experience of connection that is deserving of trust. Too many people, Keith, believe if they're a good person and they know the sport, that's enough to be trusted. It isn't. You have to have all three. Trust is three-dimensional. There's no such thing as two-thirds trust. I would say that's very poignant in this time where we're challenged. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how much our programs, how much our football culture and the game as a whole is challenged right now with people trusting us. You're absolutely right. I mean, you could you could have 35 years of experience within there. You might be a state champion multiple times, 
and have all kinds of great football knowledge, but if you don't have that connection with those people in your community, they're not going to trust you to send their sons your way. And to your point, you know, it is on us right now to take that very seriously to keep this game thriving, as it should. It's an important part of, of the fabric of our society. I think a lot of our great leaders, lawyers, doctors, dads, husbands, come from things they've learned in this game. And we really have to take this seriously right now. Not just because it affects our program in a way. Certainly, we want our programs to succeed. But we need this game to succeed as well. We do need the game to succeed. And we're still early in the season. And so the trust building process is still very much in full swing. In fact, there's never a time where the trust building process isn't in full swing. Everything that you do in the process of coaching delivers an experience to other people, everything. Now, I, I, you know, we, we talk about the three things in trust, character, competence, connection. Every behavior you engage in delivers some form of an experience to other people. And when people get that experience, they have to filter whether that experience is one that increases or decreases their trust in you. And very few things are neutral in whether they increase or decrease trust. Mostly, and this is just a really helpful way to think of it, consider the fact that every behavior it delivers the experience and the experience that it delivers is improving or harming trust. When you think of it that way, everything about what you do tells people something about your character, your competence, and your connection with them. And you remember ABC, always building character. I think, especially for coaches, and I'll kind of just go through all three of these. I think coaches believe, like a lot of other professions, and I, I say that, Keith, I, I don't want to be repetitive with it, but I say that because I know people listen to different episodes and not everybody's going through these in order. And I don't ever want coaches to think that things I'm talking about are singling out coaching or coaches as a profession or as a people group, because so many of these things that I'm talking about with coaches, I see with executives, middle managers, vice presidents, salespeople, and staff members in lots of other professions. And there are certain things that are unique to coaching. I don't think this is one of them. So I don't want to be repetitive with it, but I just want to make sure that they understand this is observation and it's something that is bigger than just the profession. But I say ABC, always building character, because sometimes we can get caught thinking that by the time I'm 40 or 45, or frankly, by the time I'm even 35, that my character is set. It's not. Your character needs sharpening. It needs refining. Sometimes it needs resetting. You need to press pause, look inside yourself, and maybe this season you need to do a resetting of your character or an improvement of your character. Not saying you're a bad person, not saying you're on the wrong path, but maybe you just lost touch with what that was all about. Maybe you've never actually written down what your character is all about, what you believe in, how you actually show that belief in action and the experience you're trying to create for people. And, and you think of it, 
I ask a lot of rooms, how many of you believe you have great character? And all these hands go up. And then I say, that's awesome that you think that about your own character. How would I know that? The only way I know about your character is if I see it in action and I get an experience of it. I respect the fact that you think your character is strong. Show me. Demonstrate it to me. And if it looks like everybody else, and if you tell me to trust your character because you've been around for a long time, that's just not good enough for trust, at least not the level of trust that we're talking about that allows you to push people hard. So you have to know what your character is, be intentional about living it, and then you have to be accountable to the character that you say you have to demonstrate it in action and actually deliver on that experience. On competence, here's what's unique about competence. The measurement for competence in trust is not your years of experience or how smart you are or what you can do. The measurement for whether or not I trust your competence is do I think your skills help me? That's the measurement for competence. Again, in trust. Now, I can look at somebody else who I don't know, and I can say, is that person a competent individual? And I can say, yes, they are. But what we're talking about here is whether or not people trust your competence. And trust is personal. Meaning what? This is the intersection between your skill set and its personal impact on me. So I'll use myself as a reference point on this. When I advise coaches, when I step into a staff room and we're doing a, a three-hour session with coaches, those coaches do not care how many other coaching staffs I've been in front of. They don't care how many years I've been teaching this. They don't care about eight years ago, the keynote stage I was on in front of a thousand people. They don't care what executives I've met. They don't care how many books I've read. They are measuring my competence and whether they trust me with one reference point. Does the thing that I'm saying right now, are the tools that I am teaching, are the principles and messages and systems that I am installing helping them become a better coach? If what I say and what I teach, they think it helps them, they view me as competent and they trust me more. If they don't think that those things are helping them, my years of experience don't matter to them. And they shouldn't. They use one reference point for whether they trust my competence. Do I help them? If I do, they trust me. If I don't, they won't. That's it. The same thing for coaching your players. Players don't care how long you've been coaching the game, especially today's players. Players care about whether or not what you're coaching them helps them. On the field, off the field, in the relationships, with their emotions, with their mindset, with their own anxiety and self-doubt, with something happening at home, with the ability to execute anything on the field. They want to know that what you're teaching them helps them. That's a trust issue, not a years of experience or an intelligence issue. Have you encountered that in your experience as a coach? Brian, I think I've, I've been involved in that on, on both sides. Observing it and seeing those coaches who've been around it a long time, who have completely 
lost that connection and they are relying on I've been around this game a long time these guys need to listen to me and and it just doesn't work that way but also on my side as a coach working for a head coach I had at one point he got frustrated as we were going through game planning and working out some ideas of why we were going to do a certain thing and he couldn't explain it anymore and he said I have more experience than you that's why we're going to do it and I thought well that's that's not going to help me understand or solve the problem. And I think in that sense, when you operate from that kind of a mindset, your players certainly aren't always going to understand what they're doing as well. They're always not going to be able to do their jobs to the optimum level if you're operating from a place of you need to listen to me because I have a lot of experience. And the truth of the matter is, and I think we can both agree on this, if you're a coach or a leader or a parent, you have to lean on your authority from time to time, right? Absolutely. Right. So here's the point. Because at some circumstance, you will need to lean on authority. When you do, will people trust you? Do people have trust in you when that moment comes? So let's take that situation. A coach at some point, just knows and is, is struggling to articulate why. And they, they need to say, hey, we're going to do this because I have experience and I'm more experienced. I, I know this is going to work. What they're really saying is we're going to do this because they need to. Sometimes they'll say it. Other times they won't. What's the unspoken directive on the back end of that? Trust me. Right? That's the unspoken piece. I have more experience on this, Keith. Trust me. At that point, you do or you don't. If that coach had done the appropriate amount of work, when he leans on that, hey, I have more experience, trust me, you say, okay, I believe in you. You must be right. I don't get it, but I'm going to put my faith in you. Let's go. And you get, and he get, got your full effort. If he hadn't done the work required and you didn't have full trust in him, then you walked out of it with doubt, uncertainty, hesitation, and maybe, maybe, not a full commitment to what was done because you didn't trust that it was the right move ultimately because you didn't trust him. Those are the two scenarios, but don't mistake what we're saying. One, is that a fair take on that situation? Yeah, it really is. Uh, It it does come down to, do you trust what he's saying? Because he's been there because you believe in him, etc. Yeah. So don't mistake what it is that I'm saying or, Keith and I are saying, it's not that you don't ever use authority. You do use authority. You have to. I'm the CEO. I'm a dad. You have to. The question is, when you use authority, what's the foundation of trust underneath it? And what is the impact? Do you have enough trust to withstand the need to use authority? If you're always using authority, people only do things because they absolutely have to. Meaning where your authority runs out, you've lost the ability to lead people. That's, that, that's not where you want to be as a coach. So think about these three things. And, and, and we talked a lot last week about connection, so I'm not going to go deep into connection. But consider what is the experience you are delivering as a coach in all of the relationships that you have of your character, your competence, and your connection. You may know what your character is. You may not. I will tell you this. If you don't know what your character is, 
it's going to be really hard for you to deliver an elite experience of a character worth trusting. It's going to be hard. And I, I think too many people are in this spot. So identify what your character is. If you know what your character is already, pay attention this week. How are you showing people that? How do you demonstrate it? How are people experiencing it? Take this week, take the next seven days, and do an audit. How aligned are your attitude, your action, and your words? How aligned are they? Does your attitude match the actions you engage in, match the words that you say to people? Coaches, man, we pass a lot of messages. We talk about discipline, and we talk about courage, and we talk about toughness, and we talk about you got to be a great follower. A lot of words come out. Do your, does your attitude and does your action match the words that you put out to your athletes? Do an audit because that's a character issue. And if there's misalignment between your attitude, action, and words, the thing that is going to get damaged is people's trust in your character. And that can create resentment because you think your character is strong and worth trusting, but the experience people get is you not following through on what you say. And then they don't trust your character. And all it has to do, Keith, is it just has to get chipped away. That's why I say there's no such thing as two-thirds trust. It doesn't matter how smart you are and how much you care about your players if you're not aligned in attitude, action, and words. They're not going to trust your character. You can be a really great person who's not aligned, and people aren't going to trust you. Trust is a really fragile thing, and it's really particular. So that's the first thing to watch. Second thing to watch this week is how well are you making sure that your skill set is helping other people? Are you trying to prove what you know? Are you trying to make people do things that you're trying to get them to do? Or are you deploying your skills specifically in ways that help other people in ways they can recognize? Are you really bringing the skill set out of yourself that shows them how the skills you're teaching really benefit them. Nick Saban is great at that. He actually talks about a lot of that, and that's something you can look up. And Nick Saban, he's the ultimate team guy, but if you look at how he builds his teams, and he's on record in saying this in press conferences and some teaching points, he really focuses on the individual because he understands that people are going to commit to the team when they understand how what they're being taught benefits them, makes them a better player, helps them win matchups, helps them improve throughout their time at the program, and helps put them in position for what they want later in life, whether it's going to the league or going somewhere else. So Nick Saban understands players are viewing him and his staff through the lens of how does what you're teaching help me? And he makes that really clear and easy for them to see because when they do, that's what causes them to buy in. He doesn't ask for buy-in. He earns it. And then the third piece is connection, again, which we talked about last week. Pay attention to whether or not what matters to your players matters to you. Can they see that and feel that and recognize that? Do you understand what matters to them, and can they feel that you get that? Can they see that you get that, and do they hear that from you? Whether that's in the game, not in the game, whether that's something happening in their life, something happened in the classroom, you can do that right now this season. You can pay attention to the experience you are delivering on those three. And then extend that beyond the relationship with your players. Extend that to the relationship you have with your colleagues. Extend that to the relationship you have with parents. 
parents are watching your character. They're watching your competence and they're watching your connection. And they use different reference points than athletes do. The three things are the same, character, competence, connection. But athletes view those three things differently than parents view those three things. So you can stay within the structure and the system, but you need to bring a slightly different lens about how parents are viewing you on those three. And you have to deliver a different experience. And then you have to do something a little bit different for maybe your administration. And then a little something different for your staff. And you start seeing why trust is hard to build. But start right now paying attention to the behavior you engage in and the experience you deliver across all three of those. And I'll wrap with this, Keith, because I know our time is coming to an end. Here's what I'll wrap with. Before people believe in where you're going, they need to have confidence in who you are. That is about your character, your competence, and your connection. And Brian, all, all three of those things, as you said, come together in, in trust. And we started this segment of the Coaching Coordinator Podcast talking about the season as a journey, talking about leadership as a journey. And we're somewhere, depending on where you st- you know, when you started and what state you're in, we're somewhere around mid-season now, and really the stakes get higher. There's those homecoming games. There's rivalry week. There's maybe a championship game somewhere down the road. There's games that make a difference to get into the playoffs. And on the flip side of that, you might be sitting somewhere right now with, without a win, and I would say that the stakes are even higher for you in your program. And it's all about how much those people trust you. For the teams that are out there and going to be playing for a championship down the road, obviously you need elite performance in those games. And that depends, like I said, on doing your 111th. That depends on trusting your coach. For those of you who are, are still struggling and looking for that first win, it's about getting those guys to stay on the same page, continue to believe in you, continue to believe that this is a process and that it might not come to fruition this year. But down the road, if you're leaving the program because you're a senior, you've contributed to it in a major way. And if you're an underclassman, there's better things on the horizon if you continue to trust and believe in the process. And that's a great point, Keith. The longer the results take to show up, the deeper the trust people need to have in you because the more likely they are to get distracted by doubt, other voices, people sharing something different or out of alignment with what you're trying to share with them. Or frankly, they just get tired and they feel like giving up or quitting or not putting in the effort anymore. So the longer the effort required and the longer it takes to see the results, the deeper the trust that they need to have in you. And distraction is exactly the topic for our next discussion. We'll be talking about distractions that come up during the course of the season, especially this time of the year. Brian, as we leave, let's share where our listeners can connect with you on social media. Best place to connect with me is on Twitter and Instagram, at T. Brian Kite. And I would also encourage everyone to check out Facebook page, Focus 3, as well as uh, you can reach out and connect with me on that. Last thing is K-I-G-H. Brian, it was great to talk with you again. And uh, to all our listeners, embrace the journey this week. And good luck to you as you 
approach the end of the weekend game day. 